0: Something that Chongo mentioned during the offering call, and I, I was just reminded that I should remind you every once in a while, maybe some of you haven't even heard this before, but um, he mentioned podcasts. And so just a reminder that each week, just the sermon part of the worship service is uploaded to our podcast. So if uh, any of your podcast listening devices or programs, just search Edmund Seventh day Adventist Church and you'll find all the sermons on there. And so it's a great, it's a great way just to share with others. Sometimes people can't sit and watch a whole video, but if it's just the audio and they can download it on their phone while they're, you know, with Wi-Fi, then they can be in their car and listen. So it's just another sharing opportunity. So if, if you are ever blessed by any specific sermon or you think of a friend or a family member you want to share it with, there are options besides just the YouTube page. All right. So last April, does anyone remember back that far? <laughs> Seems like such a long time ago. I was actually when I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking back and I I wrote in my notes just a a couple months ago, but then I went and I looked and found the date and I was like, that was April of last year. So last April, I I preached a sermon talking about the long nose of God. Does anyone remember that sermon? Okay, yeah, it was kind of an interesting one. Um, But the, the gist of it is that when someone gets angry, when we get angry, our face gets hot. Eventually, that hotness and that redness, it ends up in our nose. And so God having a long nose meant that it took him longer to get angry. It was the ancient Hebrew way of saying that God was long-suffering. God was long-suffering. God was long of nose. This was their way of talking about a certain aspect of God's character, And when we try to describe in our own language what God is like, it can be difficult. It can be daunting. And when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently used descriptions like this that we saw in our Scripture reading. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. And so today, I'd like to spend some time looking at another aspect of God's character. We've looked at God's long-suffering. Now, I wanna look at this last one that is listed here. And it's actually the Hebrew word, amet, amet. Can you guys say that with me? Amet. See, now you can can speak some Hebrew. That's not too hard. That's one of the easier... (laughs) Hebrew words, I'll be honest. But uh, amet, and it can be translated as faithfulness or even as it was in, in this New King James Version, truth. So that is the Hebrew word amet. And it's also related to another word that you're probably aware of, and that is the word amen, amen. The word amen is actually an untranslated Hebrew expression and it simply means that's truth, that's truth. So that's why we say amen. You know, when, when, when you're listening to a sermon and you agree with what you hear, you say amen, that's true, I agree with that. Let it be so. So amet can mean truth, and it can refer to correct ideas or concepts. This is because Emmet has to do with stability and reliability. Like when Moses was holding up his hands for hours so that the Israelites could defeat the Amalekites. And his friends, when they saw he was getting tired, he was getting exhausted, they put a massive rock underneath him and supported his arms so that his hands would remain emet or steady. We see this story in Exodus. Exodus 17, verse 12, it says, But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady, amet, until the going down of the sun. Then, when amet is used of people, it describes reliable and stable character or trustworthiness trustworthiness, like when Moses appoints leaders in Israel in Exodus 18.21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, amet, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. They are to be people of amet, people who are trustworthy, people who won't take bribes or distort justice. So to say that God is full of emet, it doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means also that God himself is faithful. God himself is trustworthy. It's a firm foundation you can count upon. And this is why Moses called God a rock in Deuteronomy 32, four. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. God is faithful, just, and upright. Moses is saying that He can trust God to be consistent in character. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word amet. The verb form is pronounced heemen. He And it can be translated as to believe, to have faith, but most basically it means to consider someone as being trustworthy or to trust, to trust. And the first person that we see in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham, Abraham. God makes a promise that Abraham and his wife, Sarah, will have a huge family. This is all well and good. They're excited about this promise. Because God goes on to say that through them, a mighty nation will be born. And through that nation, the entire world will be able to come to experience God's blessing. But Abraham and Sarah, they're really old. And they don't have any children of their own, no offspring of their own. They haven't been able to have children. Yet in the face of all of these uncertainties, all of these challenges, Abraham means God. It starts with a lack of faith, but soon that changes. We find this story in Genesis 15, verse three. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Essentially, Abraham was like, God, I want to believe you. I really do. But I have no offspring to continue my lineage. And this son that I have, he's not even from my wife. He was talking about Ishmael. But God responds. He says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Remember when the Bible talks about a man and a woman coming together as husband and wife, they become one flesh. And so that's, I think that's what God is getting at here. You will have a son and it's going to come from this one flesh that you and Sarah are. God is like, Abraham, (laughs) when will you learn to trust me? You tried to sort things out. You you tried to solve your problems in your own way, but that is not my plan. My plan is to keep my promise, to keep my promise. Then God brought Abram outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. The understanding is no, Abram can't number them. There are too many And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Abram, I've got bigger plans for you. I can work miracles that you haven't even dreamed of. I will show you things that you never even thought were possible. Abram, will will you take a risk and trust me? And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham believed, he trusted, he considers God trustworthy to open a way forward. And God does show Emmet to Abraham and Sarah. In just four generations, their offspring create a whole nation named Israel. And God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship with him. Then when God leads them out of slavery in Egypt. Exodus 14:31. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people Feared the Lord and believed, he'emin, the Lord, and his servant Moses. So, Israel here, they, he'emin, in God. They trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land that God promised to Abraham, they find that it's full of these massive fortified cities and the people living within them, defending them, are giants. And their trust in God's emet fails. But eventually, we come to meet an Israelite who is willing to trust in God in the face of giants. 1 Samuel seventeen forty five. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And if you're familiar with the story of David, yes, it's got its ups and downs, its twists and turns, but David, he consistently relies on God throughout the biblical narrative. In fact, 1 Kings says this about David, 1 Kings 3.6, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, this is Solomon speaking, because he walked before you in truth, there's that word again, emet, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. So David considered God to be faithful, and so he responds with faithfulness. And this is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David whose kingdom will endure forever. 2 Samuel 7:16 it says, "And your house and your kingdom shall be established, remember firm foundation here a met forever before you, your throne shall be established forever. This faithful and promised king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. But when the kingdom of Israel later collapses, it seems like once again all hope is lost in the Israelites. They find themselves without a king, without a nation. And they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love? The love that you swore to David in your Amet. They were essentially accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Have you ever experienced? anything like that. You've read God's promises. You want to believe, but the reality of the situation just seems impossible or scary or too much to overcome. And doubts and worries, they begin to swirl around in your head. You begin to ask questions like is God trustworthy? Is God really faithful. And if you've been there, and maybe you're there right now, I just want to comfort you in letting you know that you aren't alone. Israel found themselves asking those same questions over and over and over. But thankfully, the first line of the New Testament is an answer to those questions. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Things seemed bleak for a while. There was a, a, a quiet period, but God kept the promise he made to David and to Abraham and to all people. Or we could look at it as Paul wrote in Romans 15:8. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness, of God's emet. He is the faithful king whose kingdom will endure forever. He is the one who invites all nations to trust God. Now, trusting anyone is risky business. It's risky business. And it can be scary, especially when we have been in our lives let down by a bunch of people, in trusting people, <laughs> it's risky business. It's difficult to know if anyone is really full of emet. But the biblical story portrays a God who's been faithful all along. Jesus is the answer to all of the Father's promises. Jesus is the answer to all of the Father's promises. Jesus shows us in flesh what faithfulness looks like. He showed it with his first advent as a baby in Bethlehem. And he showed it throughout his entire life, his entire ministry in this world. And he showed us through his death on the cross. The death I might remind you that he didn't deserve. He did nothing to deserve that death, but he went through it because he loved us so much and he wanted to give us the clearest possible picture of what self-sacrificing love looks like. But it didn't stop there. Jesus continues to show us what faithfulness and keeping promises look like. He actively forgives our sins as was promised. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He actively calls us back into fellowship and family as was promised. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he answers prayers and fills us with hope as was promised. Hebrews ten twenty three let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. When you find your trust, in God, wavering, look to Jesus. When you start to doubt God's promises, look to Jesus. When you become fearful for the future, look to Jesus. Because 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God, in him, him being Jesus, are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. So as we look at all of the various obstacles facing us and our world, we're invited to take the same risk of trust and join Abraham. David, and all the people of God who trusted that God is overflowing with faithfulness. God is calling us into his kingdom. He is a God that, yes, he makes big promises, but he keeps them. He keeps them all. It can truly be said that our God is faithful. And now I'd like to invite Chango Mundende to come forward, to just stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge. And I'm going to have the benediction, and you who wish can be dismissed. But if there's anybody here that has any specific needs, any specific requests, or maybe you have a, a certain praise that you just want to voice, please come forward after the benediction and talk to either Chango or myself. We'd love to listen. We'd love to lift your petition, your praise up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, when we look out into the world, we don't see a lot of faithfulness. We don't see a lot of people keeping their word. There aren't many people in our personal lives that we can depend on as as a sure and solid foundation. But Lord, that's where you come in. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't allow our experiences with sinful, fallen human beings like ourselves to cast a shadow of doubt upon you and what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. Lord, we thank you that you are long-suffering, You put up with all of our nonsense. You are patient and kind. But Lord, we thank you also that you keep your word, that you are a met, you are faithful. And when you say something, when you promise something, it will come to pass. So Lord, give us trust Give us a willingness to take that risk, to entrust you with all our faults, with all our problems, with all our concerns, all our prayers, with our very lives. And help us to be, as Paul called us to be, a a living sacrifice. Showing others that you are long-suffering, showing others that you are faithful. Give us opportunities to witness for you. Fill us with your spirit. And Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. It's through Jesus that all your promises are fulfilled. Lord, we give ourselves to you now, and we thank you for hearing these prayers and for answering them in accordance with your will. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.